What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Back Office Out Front, the podcast covering the corporate army behind the athletes. I'm your host, Adam Bernstein, and today we have a very special guest on the show. While he did happen to attend a rival institution to my own, and did also happen to be on the field during one of, if not the most heartbreaking plays in Michigan football history, Jared Barnes is an absolutely incredible individual. He graduated Louisville in three years whilst playing Division I football full-time. He then transferred to Ohio State and, while still playing Division I football full-time at probably one of the best football schools in the country, as much as it pains me to say it, pursued multiple post-grad degrees as well. He then founded his own company straight out of school, PrimeU, a mentorship program for college and high school athletes. And now, he's in a trailblazing role with the Los Angeles Rams, focusing on player marketing for the retired players and alumni of the team. On this episode, we touch on everything from how to market players, to how to harness an entrepreneurial spirit, and how to ultimately make your way into working in the sporting world. Stay tuned and find out more about the amazing journey of Jared Barnes. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Back Office Out Front. I'm Adam Bernstein, and I'm here today with Jared Barnes of the Los Angeles Rams. How are you, Jared? Adam, I am well. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. Thank you for coming on. So. Jared is a very special guest because this is a pretty niche field that this podcast is in and with regards to working with off-court and off-field ventures of athletes. And Jared actually matches that in two different ways with two different organizations that he's a part of. So I'm very excited to have you on. And to start off, could you just talk a bit about your time in school, what you did both on the football field and in the classroom, if you had any plans coming out of school, what your mindset was when you were around my age? Absolutely, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great question. So a high level background just on my journey. Uh, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. So shout out to the Midwest. Uh, went to undergrad at the University of Louisville. Uh, I say Louisville because it's very much like in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, State, man. So I was, a, I was a student athlete there, played football. And honestly, growing up, I wanted to be a strength coach. Like I mm-hmm. love being around the game. I love the energy. Uh, so I studied exercise science and uh, actually had my first internship was at a military base, uh, Fort Knox military base, about 30 minutes outside uh, of Louisville and uh, did like adaptive physical therapy there. Yep. And it was an incredible experience because that was really where I found my desire to just be around people and, and help understand what made people great, what allowed people to, to get through adversity, what, what were those separating factors uh, when it came to success and those who, who, who achieved it. So I uh, continued along this journey, uh, ended up graduating early from, from the University of Louisville, uh, went to grad school at Ohio State, played football there as well. Uh, and it was just a, an incredible ride. I did my master's in, in sports management. Uh, and so I'll be honest with you, you know, I was able to have these really cool experiences uh, early on, but honestly didn't, didn't necessarily – anticipate any of it coming out of high school you know I just kept pursuing opportunity continued to um, uh, be in these spaces where opportunity would would show up you know I kept putting my name out there and you know seeking it out and not necessarily waiting on anyone else to um, present opportunity for me so long story short um, end up pursuing the NFL myself didn't make an active roster so I went back and started coaching and my career in coaching uh, for a year, or worked uh, as a DB's coach at Ohio State, and then went down to Clemson University and worked in administration there. 
Um, and now been with the, uh, the LA Rams for about a year, just over a year now, uh, working specifically in uh, player marketing. It's a very unique field that's been involving even within the past five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been exciting to be on the front end of that, help build out the strategy for the Rams and the work that we're doing with our players. So at a high level, that's kind of been my journey. For sure. What, what year were you playing football at Ohio State, if I can ask? Yeah, so I was there from 2015 to 2017. So you were there when JT was short. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I was actually on the field. I was on the field. Oh, wow. for the game. Yeah, man, that was a good one. It was uh, Jabril Peppers, a lot, of, a lot of good, talented guys. I do, I do have to admit, I was not a Michigan fan then. So I was mercilessly making fun of my Michigan fan friends at the time. But it's things nice. like now that I go there. But nice. I'm not, not going to comment on that. <laughs> the outcome of the game. Hey, man, that was probably one of the best college games. I've that was watched. a great game. I can say that. Yeah. Um, so between your time at Clemson or was it at Ohio State and then going to Prime U, what's that timeline look like of when you started that? Was that just after Ohio State, just after Clemson? How's that? How'd that go? Yeah, great question. So I had this, uh, this concept, this idea called Prime U. Really what it was, uh, was a leadership training program specifically for student athletes. Right. And I had this idea while I was a current student. So I was actually part of Ohio State's social entrepreneurship club. Oh, nice. And through that, got exposed to a lot of different entrepreneurs, investors, uh, uh, and individuals who were operating at a high, high volume, high capacity early on. Mm-hmm. And that gave me just enough exposure to have enough confidence to form my own LLC. So form my own LLC actually during my junior season and took that model, uh, a model in, in leadership training program called Prime U and piloted it around different high schools in Columbus. So worked with several different high schools and you know, honestly, after my playing days were done, I, I kind of looked myself in the mirror and I said, you know what, like, I'm either going to give this thing a shot or I'm just going to put it on the shelf for the rest of my life, you know. So uh, long story short, after my time at Clemson, ended up launching Prime U into a full-time uh, company mm-hmm. and so transitioned into entrepreneurship full-time. And I'll tell you what, Adam, it was it was a hustle, man. It was a yeah, hustle. Building a brand specifically, you know, around just our business model in Prime U, which is predominantly around, you know, intellectual property, mm-hmm. that's it's tough. But it gave me exposure to so many things so early, everything from uh, brand development to content distribution to hiring to even in some cases firing, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> a lot of different decisions, man, were, were, were placed in front of me, you know, negotiation, uh, being able to effectively communicate and all these different things where in a sense, you're kind of being evaluated in real time as an entrepreneur. And that's why I loved it so much. It reminded me a lot of my playing days where, hey, man, like you got to you got to go. There's right. the only way it's going to work is if you work. Um, and so there was so much upside to it. Uh, and ironically, the Rams were actually one of our clients who we worked with. Mm-hmm. So that's how my relationship with the Rams. Even yeah. uh, so it was in that really sprint for about two and a half years. Uh, yeah. I'm left Clemson to the Rams. And obviously this isn't meant as a shot at either of those schools, but did you form Prime U because you felt like there was a lack of some of that guidance and like structure as a student coming up through the ranks or what was your motivation behind forming it in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a great question, man. I'll tell you what, first, there's a ton of people uh, who are working on behalf of students and student athletes to yeah. allow systems and structures. 
And I think anyone in this space would tell you there's no perfect program or no one size fits all as it mm-hmm. relates to creating opportunity for students and being able to give them the system and structure, systems and structures needed to succeed. I think, you know, where we really found our niche in, in Prime U was being able to enhance everything institutions were already doing, right? Our mindset and my personal mindset in launching it was never to replace, it was only to enhance. For sure. How can we best help those who are already active in the space? Because what you'll find, whether you're talking to someone within athlete marketing, player engagement, coaching, if you're working in sports in general, you're, there's probably a good chance you are short-staffed and need help in what you're doing. For sure. It's a very thin industry, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's significant gaps uh, in, in, in the different layers within organizations. And so everyone's kind of short-staffed and, and bootstrapping things as you go. Yep. Um, and so that's where we found our niche, right, is being able to enhance uh, what was already happening and making it that much better. Either speaking from your own personal experience as a D1 athlete or from the hundreds of people you've worked with at Prime U, what advantages do you feel that student athletes have coming out of school to be eventually work in the workforce, whether it be through lessons learned on the field or through connections they made that they wouldn't have really made otherwise? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think, you know, for me, there's three specific things I would point to. Number one uh, is resilience. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of times when we think of resilience, you think of it in a physical toughness. I think for me personally, I've had to develop a mental resilience uh, to not only have a career as an entrepreneur, but even within sports business and in an NFL front office, right? The amount of shift, change, no's, uh, pivots, all these different things that are happening, it, it, it takes a lot of mental bandwidth to sustain uh, success in this space. So the resilience developed as an athlete I've definitely not only relied on, but continue to build upon. Uh, But with that, not only resilience for myself, but being able to rally those around you, right? Mm -hmm. I think the the older I've gotten and the more spaces I've been in, I've seen how rare energy is and not just energy, but positive energy. Mm -hmm. I think about you, 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 you joked and mentioned that uh, the Ohio State Michigan game, man, when it was uh, double overtime and it was, um, I believe it was third and goal. For mm-hmm. us as a defense, we had just called a timeout and we had to rally each other like, hey, now is the time, you know, and yeah. that energy, while obviously it was a huge game for us, it's it very, very rare and it worked and it's very, very rare to find in a day to day. So if, there's, right. if you can cultivate that energy, like for me, even personally, I'm not the smartest man in the world. I'm not a quote unquote expert, but what I have a great ability to do is uplift the energy of everyone else around me. So we all collectively can reach a goal together. Mm-hmm. That ability right there uh, for me as a former athlete has taken me uh, really, really far. And then the last thing, honestly, is, is empathy. Is empathy. Is having empathy as a, as a teammate uh, for, for my fellow teammates, fellow coaches. Um, being able to deploy that in the workplace, deploy that with athletes you work that with, or even deploy that up, right? I don't know if you were planning to go there, but leading up is another essential skill that I am still working to develop, but being able to empathize with superiors and, and, you know, almost a shift in mindset where I've treated bosses or, you know, supervisors as clients, right. And how can I serve them? How can I help them? Uh, That's only helps uh, accelerate kind of my career and my journey. And so I would say those are the three key things of, of having that resilience, being able to rally those around you and then being able to deploy empathy. 
That was an amazing answer. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, and now you also created this new offshoot of Prime U, the lab. Could you explain a bit about what that is, please? Yeah, yeah. So honestly, man, I, I when I took the job with the Rams, I transitioned uh, out of Prime U yeah. um, to, to take this job with the Rams full time. But my entrepreneurial spirit did not transition out. <laughs> you know, I think once you once you experience entrepreneurship in its purest form, I don't think it ever leaves you. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I've been constantly finding ways to innovate internally in different projects we've done, but also externally as well. And a few months ago, you know, in, in between the back to back Zoom calls we are constantly on these days, mm-hmm. thought of an idea and said, man, you know, I have a great network in professional sports, have a solid network in, in college sports. There's a lot of people in the space doing similar work why aren't we necessarily talking, mm-hmm. you know, from an idea sharing standpoint, from a collaboration standpoint. And then I thought about my journey into sports and how it can be really hard to break in, uh, especially at the professional sports level uh, and thought about, man, it, what, what's the pathway if I'm coming in from the outside. So saw an opportunity, wanted to create a space for existing professionals and emerging professionals to connect, collaborate and grow and called that The Lab. It's a private Slack community for sports business professionals and students who are, you know, honestly looking to share ideas and, and, and grow together. And it started two months ago. I shot it to a couple of my friends. And within a couple of months, we reached over 200 members in, wow. in a couple, uh, three different continents as well. So wow. some people over in Australia have some, uh, some, some staff members over in the UK. So it's just been crazy to see it grow. And uh, really, really cool. And honestly, still at the, the very early, early stages. But um, for anyone interested in that platform, you know, feel free to check out the website. But, you know, honestly, see myself as simply a medium to opportunity and medium to connection. Um, and it's, it, it's been an awesome uh, opportunity even for me to, to meet people as well. So yeah, that was honestly, uh, I found the, the best ideas come when you don't necessarily have to tell anyone about them. You know, it's just kind of this gut instinct feeling of, hey, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Like maybe, maybe it was you starting this podcast, Adam, and you're like, you know what? Hey, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Mm-hmm. And it, you never know where it can take you. Now it's on you to cultivate that and make sure you put boundaries to, to see it through and make sure it's structured. But the idea itself um, at its purest form, a lot of times when acted upon can create some great opportunity. For sure. I've never personally viewed myself as someone who like is necessarily the like idea generator, but I'm someone who I think is pretty good at helping balance things and, you know, when an idea is already there, kind of expanding it. And I think there's a lot of people in a similar boat. So I think that's an awesome opportunity for people like that to make the most out of their ideas. Um, and now going into your role with the Rams a bit today, I did some digging and I couldn't find a single person in all of professional sports, of the four major sports in the U.S., who at least by a title has a similar role to you. So one, I wanted to know if you think that was true or not, if you can confirm or deny. And two, a little bit about what you do and how you ended up in such a unique spot. No, it's a great question, man. It's a great question. So uh, I mentioned earlier, player marketing is a very niche and growing field. Yeah. Uh, Specifically working with former NFL players or alumni is even more of a niche within that niche. Right. Uh, And and it's interesting, right? My title by definition is manager of former player marketing and engagement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And while the role and responsibility across the league is somewhat shared, each team is different. The title and where the position is housed is often different as well. Right. So some teams have it within marketing, others have it within community, uh, and it's really unique. It's not necessarily uniform across the league. Each team views player marketing differently, and that's why 
you may have had trouble finding others with a similar title. Right. Uh, but to speak to us and the Rams specifically and the work that we've been able to do, we really view our former players not only as part of our history, but part of who we are today. Yeah. And so my role specifically is to, number one, first and foremost, cultivate a community uh, for our former players, right? If Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, um, uh, uh, down the road, retire what are they walking into how can they be recognized how can we amplify their voice and their their platform number one number two it's to really focus on those players who made our organization great how can we bring them back and integrate them into our whole organizational strategy so that's everything from a sponsorship activation marketing campaigns content distribution uh, community impact the ethos and dna of our organization how can we influx former players into that Right. So it's on me to understand the, the strategy of every single department in yep. the organization, understand who our former players are and then find the intersection points. So it's been this really unique uh, experience where I do 10 times the amount of listening as I do work in right. order to make that one hour of work for every 10 hours of listening. Right, actually right. work. For sure. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been unique. I'm curious if you view any stark differences between like the marketing for a current player. I know if you haven't done that per se and marketing for some of the retired players or great players not retired. No, great question. Um, so for about a year, I worked for a management firm uh, called Rise Sports Advisors. Mm-hmm. They do player marketing for current players. So it was heavy on the business development side managing different sponsorships and activations for current players. And, you know, while there's some distinct differences, for the most part, it's very similar. For the most yep. part, it's very similar. At, athlete marketing at its core, right, is being able to effectively tell the story of an athlete in a way that's going to connect with a subset of a specific fan base. So what that takes is, number one, understanding who that athlete is as a person, mm-hmm. current or former, right, who they are as an individual, what they're most passionate about, and what makes them great. Yeah. Number two is how can you connect that to the game of football? Right. That's what allows people to understand them in the first place. So not only do I know them as a person, I understand them now as a football player. Then in turn, you look at that core demographic, who you're trying to reach. What are they actively looking at? What are they actively looking for? How can you position this athlete in a way that's going to connect with that fan base? Totally. Whether that's for, for a younger player through esports, through for a more seasoned player or, or, you know, Hall of Famer who played back in the 70s or 80s that may be in a different setting and more of a, you know, a podcast or, or fireside chat, you know. So it's, it's being able to understand who they are as a person, understand the uh, influence of their, their, their football brand, and then understand what that core uh, fan, uh, fan demographic is looking for. So honestly, that's, that's a lot of what I do. The difference, the distinct difference between current and former, I would say current, you have a little bit more bandwidth uh, to be in range, to be creative. Yeah. Right. Um, and being able to leverage technology in a different way. You're seeing former players continue to push those bounds, but even within the past three years, mm-hmm. I would say, the, the range in which athletes can get involved from a marketing standpoint, 10X. And, you're, yep. and I don't know if you're going to go there, but college athletes now with name mm-hmm. and likeness, mm-hmm. that, and I'll, I'll send it to you after the podcast, but I just actually finished putting together uh, an emerging trends report for athlete marketing I'd um, love to see that. for this year, uh, specifically looking at name, image, and likeness and all the different opportunities um, for content to be st- distributed, opportunities to arise. So happy to send that out. But I just think, we're we are literally at the tip of the iceberg right now 
Yeah, and you kind of touched on this already, but just to dive a little deeper into the, in, in, in particular, the former athletes, you, you, yep. would you view marketing someone like Tory Holt or Steven Jackson, who's more of like a more recently retired player, mm-hmm. definitely than Eric Dickerson, or I mean, I stopped there, actually, I thought of good examples, but <laughs> like a older player who's retired versus a younger player who's still gone, you, you would still market those two groups differently. Yes, yes and no, yes and no. So you have to understand, and this is what, makes athlete marketing really unique, right? Yeah. The brand of Eric Dickerson, um, he's going to resonate with a different subset of our fans. Eric right. Dickerson is going to resonate with that established fan. So that's probably someone uh, who is in their, 40, you know, age 40 to 60. They're going to remember Eric Dickerson, right? Me, I grew up on Tory Holt. I grew mm-hmm. up on Steven Jackson. Yeah. So their, their brand is going to resonate a little bit different with me as well. And so I'm probably understanding the demo who they're going to reach and resonate with the most. Yeah. That's going to determine the position. Does that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. And I guess it's kind of the same for the current athletes versus the former athletes in a broader scope. Right. Right. You know, and I'll be honest, the last you know piece I'll share about that is, you know, what we often forget about too is how global the reach of the NFL is. Yeah. Um, another study that came out uh, that the league sent internally is the influence and impact of the NFL and how it truly is a global sport and how there's pockets of fans in China, pockets of fans in Mexico. We, we played a game in London, England last year against the Cincinnati Bengals and saw the most avid fan base in, in the UK. Like, mm-hmm. it was, I was blown away. I'm like, wow. You know, we, we often forget about the reach uh, and so that exact concept we just described, scale that globally. Mm-hmm. And my guest before you um, on the show is James Tantor, who works for a sports focus VC. And they incorporate a bunch of former NFL players as LPs into their fund. And they said yep. that a big thing they're trying to push is that when an athlete retires, they don't just like immediately need to throw their money into real estate. And that's kind of been like the general consensus is that's what a lot of people are doing. I'm curious if, um, any of the athletes who you're working with now have interesting, you know, side hustles after the league that you can think of off the top of your head. I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, no, no. There, there, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of, a, a lot of opportunity in that space. I think each guy attacks their post-sport transition differently. Yeah. There are some guys who immediately go right into it, whether that's from a business development standpoint or even from a venture capital standpoint there are others who you know take their time or may transition even more into broadcasting mm-hmm. i think one of the the more interesting stories a guy who i have, have you know a lot of respect for is actually chris long chris long's one of uh just a, a player who I, I admire a lot he has done uh exponentially more in the uh, philanthropy space than you know any other former athlete I've, I've been around and it's been humbling i actually helped uh, worked with his foundation, his team, to uh, send a group of former Rams players to Tanzania, Africa. That was my uh, next question. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we, we sent a group of, of, of former Rams to Tanzania um, earlier this year to help provide clean water for communities in need. And so for me, right, seeing a former athlete who recently retired, uh, you know, not, not too long ago, leverage his platform in a way that they were able to provide clean water for an entire village in remote, you know, countries – it it's, it's blows me away. And there's, I could name you 10 or 11 other guys who have started businesses, but wanted to highlight that because, yeah, for sure. you know, I, again, the, the influence and impact uh, of, of former NFL players, particularly whether you're NFL, NBA, you know, whatever sport it may be, the influence uh, still carries with, right. Yeah. And if you can hone that and focus that in a way, it can create so much opportunity. Now, I remember four or five years ago, maybe at this point, I was watching ESPN and I saw Chris Long, 
quote unquote, pretend to be homeless for a day to see how yeah. the experience was. And I remember since then, he's done a lot of great work. And Nicole Woody, who runs his foundation, is one of the short people on my list who I want to get on the show. So it's funny you brought that up. Um, and lastly, what I wanted to ask was someone who is in my shoes, a college student who would like to work, A, in the sports world, and B, specifically with athletes one day, if you had any tidbits of advice to get, you where, to, get to where you are currently. It's a great question. I would say number one uh, is just study, study. And when I say study, I'm not necessarily meaning, you know, your coursework. And mm -hmm. I, I coursework is important. But the number one thing I love about sports is that the questions can remain the same, but the answers will evolve. Mm -hmm. And so being able to see these emerging trends, being able to see the evolution of what's happening and truly study the, the different behavioral patterns, fan engagement patterns, understanding what's coming, understanding that athletes streaming on esports is only going to continue to grow, understanding that licensing and business development, particularly, you know, with athlete brands is only going to continue to grow. So just being able to see those trends and then identify the white space, yeah. identify different gaps, because especially with COVID happening right now, sports teams are very bootstrapped for cash. And the individuals who are getting hired and getting jobs are individuals who can immediately add value and not have to be told what to do. Granted, we all need direction. We all need structure, right? But I don't have anyone over my shoulder saying, hey, Jared, we need this, this, and this done. Yeah. It's really on me to identify the white space and add value proactively. Um, and so if you can develop and hone that skill set early, whether that's through internship opportunities or even informational interviews, I mean, prime example, I was uh, invited to a call later this week to be a part of um, a, a group of professionals. And while I have a set of expertise, I'm also somewhat new to the space. So what I did in preparation for that call is to, in a sense, outline my specific expertise and present what I can bring to the table. Right. right? If, if, if I'm a current student, I'm constantly trying to craft my own portfolio. Right. And what I mean by portfolio, it's almost your investment thesis, your uh, perspective honed in and saying, hey, this is what I can bring to your organization. Here's some work I've done in the past. Here's some potential projects I've done in the past. In order to get this role with the Rams, I had little to no formal marketing experience. Mm -hmm. I put together a case study and, in a sense, brand health tracker for a series of former athletes to present just to show that I was capable, right? right? It, was, it was almost this mock case study. And a lot of times we think when we graduate from school that we're done learning or you're done with, you know, doing homework. Man, I've done more quote unquote homework now than I ever yeah. did in school, yeah. but it's all for a specific purpose and intention. So I know that was long-winded man, but in short, it's being able to listen, identify those patterns, uh, that white space, craft your perspective, not waiting for someone else to tell you what your perspective is, but really crafting your own, doing those informational interviews, getting in front of people, um, and being able to add value. Uh, I think those are some critical, critical keys, especially working in sports and especially working within athlete marketing uh, moving forward. No, that's awesome. And I think you're definitely crafting your own space as you go along and really pioneering a field. So that's awesome that you're getting to really get this field off the ground. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'll talk Adam, to you soon. Great to, have, great to be on the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Huge shout out to Jared for agreeing to come on to the show. Thank you so, so much. I had an amazing time talking to you. And my biggest takeaway is simply put, former player marketing is here and it's here to stay. And I'd hop on the bandwagon now while you can. And I'm so excited for Jared to be a pioneer 
and to be a trailblazer in this awesome field. Because when you sit down and think about it for a bit, it just makes so much sense. The Rams have 52 players on their active roster. That being said, the Rams have been an organization in the National Football League since the year 1937. That means between the years of 1937 and 2020, there have been just about, give or take, 52 men to put on a Rams uniform every single year. Obviously, there are players who roll over from year to year, but that still leaves, quite literally, thousands of Rams in this organic network to tap into. Every single Rams fan from every single season has a player, an alumni, that they can relate to because there are no fans without players. So whether they were watching in the year 1940, 1960, 1980, 2000, 2020, anything in between, there are former players on the Rams who can relate to these fans better than anybody else. And that's really, really, really powerful. And Jared is only scratching the surface with this program and he's going to do amazing things. So again, Jared, thank you so much and thank you for listening this far into the episode. I'll be back soon with another great episode of Back Office Out Front. See you then.